I don't see one from you, Thomas. What's up with yet? What's up with that? Yeah, I've abandoned a, a large number of my goals for this year. <laughs> we're we're only in March. We just got into March. Yeah, I know. Okay. Thanks for rubbing it in, though. <laughs> That's what I do. I, I got to make sure you don't feel too good about yourself. You're listening to PHP Ugly, episode 97. I'm John Congdon, and with me as always is Eric Van Johnson and Tom Rideout. How's it going, guys? Hey! Did that completely wrong. Did that completely wrong. You guys have been killing me with these intros. Why? Okay, go for it. You, go for it. You, no, no, no. No, no, no. You guys are doing it because you, you guys didn't care for mine. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to say the name and let the person have time I, to respond. Okay. So the listener... So the listener can associate Eric, the voice Eric, to the name. Eric, the reason I didn't, yes, John. The reason I didn't is the last two times <laughs> I've done the intro like this, I always start with you, and then you start talking back to me, and then I feel like poor Tom over there is like getting the shaft and not not being included. So I tried to change. I it. I don't see the problem with that. I tried to change it up today to include everybody at once. Yeah, that's a horrible idea. They should have just included. Just you know, horrible idea. Yeah, and you did say you did say with me as always, which isn't true because last week you weren't even here. And you, you were you're you're like the last person that I that's usually here. Well, good point, Thomas. And you guys both said that you could do the show without me, so I could walk away right now and be. I said you know, no such thing. I don't know. <laughs> you guys said you didn't miss me. I do listen. So is that the real gentlemen? Of, is that the real start of the show we're going with, gentlemen? Yes, Eric. We are on episode 97. We have started a slow march to episode 100. It's not really slow. We do it every week. The fast march know, to 100. Yeah, breakneck speed, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think we publish more than any other PHP podcast on the internet. I think we publish more than any other podcast on the internet, to that be honest. That is true. <laughs> so Speak- I think... I think in, in celebration of episode 100, John and I should fly out to Colorado and record live with no, you, Thomas. No, I'm flying out to San Diego. That is when I am flying out to San Diego. You Why do you think not... we're flying to Colorado? <laughs> That's all the more reason to fly to Colorado. You're paying, you're paying for your own plane tickets. <laughs> oh, man. I can't afford plane tickets. So does that mean we're going to try to get together to record live that night? That won't work. I think, I think so. I think we're going to have to. We'll, we'll we'll record at John's house and he won't even show up for the first podcast <laughs> recording. With us as always, John's wife. She Wait, doesn't know whoa. where he is either. Whoa. <laughs> Too much there. Uh, how's everybody doing? How was everybody's week? Awesome. Why was it awesome? I have a 3D printer now. Well, you had it last week. Screwing around with it. I was I was still building it last week, and now it's actually printing <laughs> parts to repair itself this week. <laughs> Wait, are you serious? You're building parts to repair the printer? Yeah. Repair the the pieces he broke out of frustration <laughs> while trying to put it together. <laughs> well, the the big deal with the 3D printers was uh, about two years ago with RepRap when it became the first 3D printer that could print itself. Uh, that that was the great innovation. But out of that came the fact that you could sell a really cheap kit 
that was missing parts of itself. (laughs) (laughs) So it turns out when you buy the really cheap kit, it's just got a bunch of stuff that it doesn't do correctly, and you have to fix that. And it turns out that that that's mostly what people 3D print is just stuff for their 3D printer. That sounds silly. <laughs> yeah, it's actually an amazing hobby, though. I mean, it, it's so self-serving and cyclical. It, if you're looking for a hobby, 3D printing is great because first you get to build the printer, and then you get to build the parts for the printer. And you just keep doing that. I don't understand you most of the time, Thomas. Well, like I, I got really a, I got an Arduino, and I I like got it to make the LED blink, and then I didn't know what I wanted to do with it, so it's just in my closet now. But with the 3D printer, I know that I need an X belt tensioner and a Y belt tensioner, and I know that I need a, a T frame support and uh, some other incredibly basic things that this really cheap printer doesn't come with. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I, I've it's got fun. a funny. It's really I got fun. a funny story. I don't mean to cut you off. I, I don't go know ahead. how much longer you want to talk about this 3D printer. I, I, I think honestly, he would go on all night. Yeah, I could do the whole It's a been a fascination topic for the last couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, I got a funny story, though. And, and it, it could have only happened to a developer. It could have only happened to me, really, to be honest with you. I, I, it just seems to be my life. Uh, I was working on a problem for a client, and I was working through... The, the database structure and trying to think about how I wanted to, uh, how I wanted things to work together. And I had a condition where um, I was creating a, a, a Teams table, um, but uh, who could have te- multiple things could have teams. An organization could have teams, an individual could have a team. And so I was kind of working through this. At the same time, my wife is talking to me and I'm really deep in coding and so I'm kind of listening to half listening to her and nodding and uh yeah uh-huh and working through this problem and she says well I'm just gonna go do something and I I, I honestly it didn't even register to, to register to me what she said and I turned and looked at her and I said you know what the problem is I need a polymorphic relationship here <laughs> and <laughs> I had never seen my wife go from happy to mad so quickly, and I thought she was about to kill me. And she just looked at me, and she's like, what did you just say to me? And I'm like, yeah, poly- that, polymorphic relationship. That, that'll work. She goes, are you out of your mind? And I'm like, are you talking to me? <laughs> she's like, she's, she thought you wanted a yes, sister I'm wife. Yes, I'm talking to you. <laughs> That is, yeah, that is very like, easily something you that so can only happen about? to you. <laughs> I'm like, what are you so upset about? She goes, what did you just say to me? <laughs> and, and of course, in my head, I'm thinking, I didn't say anything to you. <laughs> so it took a little figuring out and then explaining. I'm like, no, 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 that's a thing. That's a thing in, in my coding world. That's that's a thing. <laughs> Oh man! Please tell me this funny. was. Please tell me this was Valentine's Day. <laughs> this was just this week, or well, last it, the end of last week. But yeah, it was a uh, it was a moment of pure terror on my part. Let me tell you, <laughs> no one no one can strike fear into your heart like a wife. 
And then she had to explain to me how she had misinterpreted it. I'm like, you know, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is that like a good thing? I mean, is that like a hot sex thing or what? I mean, do, do I want that? No, no, oh, no, no, I don't. Obviously, you're way too upset about it. Not something I want. See, but now you know if you were to seriously bring it up, what her response would be. So you've what you've done is invented one of the most brilliant ways of testing the waters. <laughs> it's an, an inadvertent genius stroke. <laughs> oh man, terrified me. How about you, John? Um, I do have what I do have some good news. Hold on, I have some Ooh. good news for you guys. Uh, uh, since I see somebody contributing to our chat channel here, Mister Dorinda from Down Under. Um, uh, when I logged into YouTube today to start the stream, if if you recall, like one of the, one of the reasons we never used the chat um, in the sh- live stream was because I didn't care for it. Because once the stream was done, the chat disappeared; it was forever gone. I didn't see the benefit of of the chat. We started we started using the chat because people were listening live and they they'd start chatting in it and we'd have that conversation on air. So I'm like, okay, it does have a benefit, and we've been. We've been using the chat here for about a week or two, or about a month or two. But when I logged into YouTube today, there was a little notification that said that now the chats will replay with the video. So Ooh. when somebody watches the video, whatever chat happens will will replay for them. Yeah. I, I haven't seen it yet, uh, but that's what they, that's what they're saying. Oh, that's pretty cool. Well, that's you're yeah. gonna you're gonna see our chat participation plummet now. <laughs> their names permanently associated with us. Uh, yeah, I know. We, we have a record that other people can go back and see. <laughs> can we well, disable that? Oh, yeah, he did say something. With our li- with our live stream, you'll actually be able to read the comments. With others, they fly by so fast you can't see it anyway. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. With our live stream, I mean, it pretty much just stays on one window. <laughs> no. So All right, John. A, wait, what? I'm here. How's your How's your week? <laughs> I cut you I, off to ask. Outside of being sick, it's was it's been pretty good. Like I have kids, so get sick easily, I guess, and that's annoying. We were up in Big Bear. We were up at Big Bear Mountain this past weekend, so it was a nice little family vacation. But Eric and I did have a a fun, interesting day at a client's today. Going to show them a proof of concept, and of course, it fails. <laughs> the uh, demo failed. The, the Microsoft but, curse. What? What? I, I I whipped out my backup. Yeah, always have a backup. It, it was it was funny. We we were planning for it this morning at at our little meetup that we do at a crepe shop, and Eric tested it with his phone. It was working great, and our mobile developer was like, "Well, here, take my phone," because the only thing that wasn't working on Eric's was the vibration as he was doing something that was supposed to vibrate the phone. So. Our mobile developer said, here, take this phone. It, we know it works. So Eric starts with that phone, and of course that one fails. <laughs> <laughs> His phone worked fine. Yeah. And the funny thing was the client didn't even, yeah. didn't even hold the phone to know if there's a vibration or not. No, he wouldn't. He would never. If I would have just used my phone from the beginning, he would have never even known. No. Yeah, but it went well. He enjoyed it. Is this, yeah. is this a top secret project that you can't discuss? Yeah, we probably shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's just a it's a client project. There's there's not a whole lot to discuss. It's just yeah, it's a mobile app and has a back end to it, so it's not nothing too fascinating or anything. Not yet anyway. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah, I, I I've enjoyed working on it. Except for when it's uh when we call it a proof of concept, it's like 
it's very minimal bare bones it it's just showing you that things can work and he's like well when can i put it into a client's hands or, or into a customer's hands for for testing <laughs> that, that's pretty much how, how the whole conversation goes this is 100% proof of concept. This is for you I, to look at. I understand. At I got it. I know what proof of concept is. We're good. Not a problem. Oh. I want to get this to a customer's hand <laughs> next week. Is that possible? <laughs> oh, man. That's like, you know, we're, we're having this conversation. And John kind of looked at me. He's like, why do you keep saying it's a proof of concept? I'm like, trust me, dude. I know what I'm doing here. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it. It's going to fail. No, that's not what he meant. He just knew the client was going to want it to yesterday <laughs> to show a client. That's always or, nice, though. Or show a customer of his. So. All right, I, I want to get into a little bit of a topic that I know is going to trigger Thomas. I, I, I've been hesitant to, to talk about it. I've had, actually had it on my to-do list for a while, and I've been hesitant to talk about it, but it, it came up today, again, at the crepe shop, and I'm like, man... I've been meaning to talk about this for a while, so I think we're going to talk about it. Um, so I, what I had brought I'm so up, excited right now. Yeah, you're 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 completely going to get triggered on this. Um, okay, where, where should, I, I'm going to start with how I originally had framed it, and then I'll get into a, how we got to it today. When when I first started, I, I, I made the decision a long time ago that I was always going to buy my blu-rays my physical blu-rays and i'll buy the blu-rays that have the digital pack associated to it so i i have a digital version that i don't ever have to play the blu-ray i can put the blue blue blu-ray away but i have because i have the digital version but i always own the movie i have the movie mm, and i did that don't. probably here we go Easy boy, easy. <laughs> Just chomping. You, 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 I know, I know where you're going. No, you don't. I love okay. it so and much. I, and I, and I, uh, I, I did that probably for a year. And of course, people like Google and Amazon kind of figured figured out the fact that people weren't buying digital movies. They were waiting. Yeah, you know, they were still buying the physical disc. So now. As we all know, they've released the digital ver- version like a month before they released the DVD. And I have I have no willpower. I have no patience. You know, I see these things released and I buy them, right? So I've been buying just pure digital movies for a while. I have a fairly large collection. Um, I did standardize on the company I was buying them through. That happens to be Google Movies. Uh, I did standardize on Google Movies and... Uh, I have a good amount of money invested in my Google movies. That's good, though. A single point of failure is always good. <laughs> and it it absolutely freaked me out when I logged in to my Google movie account. And this, like I said, this has been about a month or a month and a half now. I logged into my Google movie account, and I noticed all the covers for all the Marvel movies had changed. They had, they had changed the covers for all the movies. I'm like, wait a minute, you know, they're, they're touching my stuff. Like they, they shouldn't be touching my stuff. That's my stuff. And my, I, I, I don't, I don't want that mm-hmm. cover on that movie, mm-hmm. you know? So that, that really kind of set me at a, un, un, made me uneasy. Then recently I decided to give, uh, Audible, um, a go again. I, I, I use Audible for about two years and I log into my Audible account 
Um, I'm like, well, if nothing else, I have all the previous books I, I purchased on Audible. Nope, nope, they're gone. They're not there. What? Apparently, you, you don't you don't buy the books. I guess you I guess you technically rent them for a month or something. Lease. Yeah. But yeah. none of my none of my none of my books that I had previously bought on Audible. Are you sure you use the right account? Because I've had that happen where, uh, like, my wife would ha- actually had two accounts at one time and she forgot which one she bought books on. Bought a book. And it wasn't it wasn't like she had two accounts on purpose. It was she had a, an account, forgot what it was at some point, signed up for another account, bought books there, and then thought there was an issue, only to find out, no, there was multiple accounts. That's a good question. I, I just signed in with my, my Amazon account because I just assumed that was the account I used. Maybe I do have another account. Actually, I see in LastPass, it does look like there are other accounts associated to this site. You know who doesn't because have this Maybe problem. that's what my problem is. Who? Me. No? Why don't you have this problem? I'm a filthy pirate. No. Oh, that's not that's not a solution. That is. No, it's not. I mean, I'm doing it. That is you, you, I mean, You're they, probably using Audible before they were bought by Amazon, right? Because they weren't always owned by them. Yeah, I think you're right. I must have been, right? Yep. Because you, you do own that's them. That's what my problem is. Welcome to Troubleshooting Ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to look that up. Oh yeah, look at that. I have a have an old Showcom account. My of course it's Showcom. How do I log into your whole that story though? is falling apart here? I'm 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 losing my trigger. I'm yeah, starting good, to relax. Good. <laughs> yeah, that 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 was pretty much all I had to talk about there. Oh, so the thing the the thing that brought this up today, which is which is really weird, is we have. We have a service here in the U.S. I don't know if it's like, uh, I don't know if everybody around the world knows about it, but we have a service here in the U.S. called Redbox. Um, I don't even know if it's all of the U.S. I just know it's oh, here it in California. Oh, it is absolutely all the U.S. Yeah. It's a huge yeah. company. So Redbox, they, they, they were the ones that solved the whole uh, DVD rental without a physical um, brick-and-mortar store. They have these machines that you can go up, you you give it your credit card you select your movie and the machine kicks it out it's like a vending machine it kicks out this uh this movie it's like 99 cents a night to to rent a movie and you get charged every night so if you keep the keep it for three nights it's three bucks if you keep it for five it's five and so on and when you're done you go back to you don't even have to go back to the same machine you go to any red box machine you slide it in it takes it it checks it in and and it doesn't charge you anymore and this is a very economical way for people to rent movies and what have you. So we have uh, Roku, and I'm clicking through the new channels on Roku that you can add to your system, and there's a Redbox channel. I'm like, holy smokes, Redbox has the app. This is awesome because we've been in situations before where we've rented a movie, had forgotten we had it, and three or four days later we're looking we're like, Holy crap, we still have this red box. We, we need to take it back. So when I saw that, I'm like, this is perfect. Um, we go and uh, I, I download, download the app and um, install it. And sure enough, it has all the re- red box rentals that you would see at the machine, the vending machine, except they're not 99 cents. They're four bucks, just like Google or Amazon or any other online streaming service. And like to me, that like really aggravated me. I'm like, wait a minute, you're telling me 
it's cheaper for them to manage all of this, these physical machines, physical disk, physical exchange, all of that transaction. It's cheaper for them to do it that way than to stream it to people on a Roku. And I'm wondering if it's if it's a if it's a cost like that sort of cost thing, or if it, the only other thing I can think of is, is it has to be a contractual thing that they can't get around because all the services have the same price. What, what, what's your opinion on that? Well, that ties into an interesting story from this week, actually. Uh, Disney was suing Redbox because Redbox was renting digital download codes. And this week they lost that lawsuit. Say, say that again? Redbox was renting digital download codes? Yes. Uh, renting or, or selling. Uh, so Disney bundles digital download codes with the physical copies, just like you were saying before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Redbox was taking the hard copy and renting it through Redbox and then taking the digital code and selling it online. Get out of here. <laughs> and That's funny. Disney sued Redbox to stop this, and Redbox said, hey, we own it. It's ours. We can do what we want with it. We bought the mm-hmm. copy. It came with a code. We took the code and sold it. If you disallow that, it fundamentally disrupts the concept of ownership in America. And they won that lawsuit. Redbox. Won. Disney or Redbox? Redbox. Redbox. <clears throat> Disney, really? Disney lost the case, and it is now officially legal to sell all those copies of digital codes that you have sitting on your shelf. Mm, that's interesting. Wow. Now, I'm going to say of... It's a, it bothers me that all my movies are on Google Movie. I will say, however, as Dis, Disney, as much as I don't care for Disney and their whole copyright and you know just taking advantage of copyright law, Disney is one of the companies that does it right. Disney doesn't care what platform you buy their movie on. You buy their movie... You can log into a Disney account and associate your Amazon, your Google Movie, any other platform to your Disney account. And the moment you buy a Disney movie, it's on all the platforms. If I log into my Amazon account, every Disney movie I I bought is there. All my Marvel movies, everything is there. Irrevocably? That's the way... Well, I I don't know. I, I assume so. I mean, I don't know. That that's what's got me worried. I mean, they're cha- they're changing they're changing the 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 covers of them because because like I said, it was the Marvel movies that all changed. So you know, I, I assume they could revoke them if if they ever felt the desire to do so. That's interesting. I didn't know you could associate your your Disney account. I don't have one, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't know that. Well, uh, to yeah. me, to me, the thing is that this this is ownership. This, this is a concern of ownership at a fundamental level, which is that film used to be film, tangible good, then it was VHSs, which was, for Disney, a great deal because it was an expiring tangible good. It was something that literally VHSs just started to suck after 15 viewings. Um, mm. And then DVDs, which gave Disney huge marketing opportunities, um, interactivity. Disney was a real leader with DVD menu interactivity. And now it's digital downloads, but it's the platform is not the same. The platform is an advertising medium now. I, do you know why your covers changed for all your Marvel movies? 
I have no idea. It's as an advertisement for the next Marvel movie. So you're being force-fed an ad on a product that you've purchased. Well, that's how I feel about Hulu. I, I can't watch Hulu anymore. Well, Hulu's garbage. Or even Netflix, Hulu went- Netflix, for that matter. Both those, every time you log in, the only thing they promote anymore are the are the you know Netflix produced shows. Like uh, that's uh, the only thing I see now when I when I log into Netflix. Hulu's the same way. I'm okay with that. With 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 Netflix, it's I'm either there to watch something specific or I'm there to browse and be entertained. It's to me, it's just like cable was, where you have to decide what you're watching right now because you don't have any other options. You can't make it two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, but my my issue with the ownership is just that we've moved so far away from the model of purchasing a good and having the right to keep it or sell it or distribute it to the point where, yeah, Redbox purchased a bunch of copies of a DVD from Disney, and then Disney said, no, you can't use them that way, which is that's the way they're turning towards the consumer as well. Uh, when, when my TV updates itself so that it can display advertisements on the home screen, that's really upsetting to me. Mm-hmm. And digital media has been in that realm for a long time. Digital media has had dynamic advertisements for RoboCop. So if you watch the original RoboCop that you bought from Amazon, you can get advertisements for new movies that are coming out now. Uh, it's I, I don't feel bad that much about my whole mentality towards piracy with media in that way because, first off, I'm not a heavy paid consumer. If it costs money, there's a very, very little chance I'm going to pay to see it. But you don't think you're contributing to these companies' argument of this is why we have to charge so much. This is why we we they don't charge. We so have much. all this. This is why we're putting all this uh, copyright no. stuff in place. No, we're forcing them to charge reasonable prices, which is what happened when VHS became an issue in the the late eighties. Uh, people don't know it, but Top Gun when it came out was eighty dollars on VHS. Which was twenty. Oh, that's nothing. Which was twenty dollars. Dirty dancing. Dirty dancing was two hundred and ten. And don't ask me why I know that. <laughs> <laughs> but this is something that the younger generation doesn't is, is completely unaware of. Which is that if you wanted to own a movie when it came out, it used to be hundreds of dollars, because they were trying to combat the rental system, and the rental system defeated them so soundly with a good business plan that they ended up having to sell it for cheaper, so that people would buy instead of rent. And piracy works the same way. Mm, that's, I don't know if I agree with that argument. There, there is, for almost every pirate I know, a cost-convenience balance. If, <laughs> if something... <laughs> at, that's, that's, I, I think you're lying to yourself, to be honest. I, I think you're, saying, you're, you're, you're telling yourself this to help you justify your, your bad behavior. I know, be, what, I, completely honest I know what I pay for, and I know what I don't. And I'll tell you, when I download... Uh, the Late Show with Stephen Colbert, that's an OTA show. That airs mm-hmm. nightly, over the air. All you have to have is an antenna. Mm-hmm. So should I feel and, bad and, about pirating and they actually, they, they actually They actually stream it for free? Sure. So should I feel bad about pirating that? But, I mean, we're, talk, we're talking about... I, I think we're talking about things that, that aren't offered for free. I, I mean, there are there are right issues like do you have a right to to, well, to do that 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 that's a 
that's a fundamental argument we could have. But Colbert but isn't when free. It, when it, There's ads. But, but let's not talk about Colbert. You don't get off easy like that. Let's talk about paid movies. You don't know how New easy movies. I get movies off. That aren't even, movies that aren't even released yet. You know, do you feel <laughs> yeah. you're justified? Yeah, it's it's not. It's not. I, I, I've always been pretty adamant I, about piracy. I don't feel justified, uh, but I will tell you what. There are movies like The Blair Witch Project that would not have existed if it were not for piracy. There are video games that have become blockbusters because of piracy. There are TV shows that are that are uh, again. I, I think you're trying to justify of, justify your behavior, and and I think that's the wrong. I don't see why I wouldn't. I, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for, I'm just going to go on, on record. I agree with Eric. <laughs> I know. You, know, you know I love you, man, but I, know. I, I you know I call bullshit when I see but bullshit. From so. my perspective, there is a a different line than from your perspective for what ownership is, for what trademark is, for what copyright is. If I want to go on Thingiverse and download a low poly Pokemon model to print out by the copyright laws. I maybe uh, maybe I'm, can't. I'm, no, I'm not maybe. saying I'm not saying copyright laws are are the best thing. And I, matter of fact, that's exactly what I said. I didn't agree with what, but what I'm saying is when you flat out contribute to hardcore piracy, like, you know, streaming, like pirating, you know, black Panther, which just released in movie theaters, that does not help the cause of fighting piracy. That makes fighting piracy more difficult no but it is also a yes more it does complicated, yes it absolutely does but it is a it more complicated it more thing difficult. it is a more complicated thing than just that you don't know about i agree i agree it's more complicated but what i'm what i'm trying to say is you're not helping it you, you, you no. your little justification to yourself is well this is actually making things better it's not well i work in the porn industry i gotta get my payback somehow <laughs> More well, just the, the, most, the, most the most pirated media of all time. For for the record, John, I've logged into all my Audible accounts and none of them have my my previous purchases. So <laughs> I'm very upset now. So, so thank you for proving my point. <laughs> I, I still think right. missing one somewhere. Last week, you two were talking about scrutinizer and code ship, and just wanted to follow up with that today because I know yes. Eric and I this morning sat down and we got his scrutinizer all decked out and it's now running unit tests and giving him code coverage. Now, now no, nobody can merge on GitHub until all the all the unit tests pass. And that I'm a awesome. happy camper. That is so awesome. Yes, I'm very happy. Did yeah. we cover the new? Oh, oh. Did we cover the new GitHub feature about merging functions last week? I, I we did not. I saw something about that. Was it merging functions, or was it just doing code review where you could jump to functions quickly? Pull requests I will think... tell you which functions changed in New their feature. little in their little jump to yeah yeah. So it'll say these three functions changed in this commit, which you could tell by scrolling and looking at the file, right? But it's if you're looking at the, the little drop down, it just makes it a little easier. Yeah. It's a friendly little helper. Yeah. Hey, speaking of GitHub. Well, do you think that's useful? I haven't. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't used it yet. We're, mm. we're just covering, yeah, I, covering I, things that happened I, this week. That's, I'm just... 
I don't know if I I don't know if I would find that I don't know if I'd find that useful or not. Did you see that? I, I mean, what? Good. What, what would you use that for again? Well, if you're dealing with a large number of pull requests on an open source project and you want functions that are untouched, if you mm. have if you have functions that you consider higher order functions, then you can at a glance say this needs more scrutiny than this normally does. Hmm. I I think it was nice that in if I understood it correctly, it was specific to PHP. So I I thought it was it was nice that GitHub is just giving PHP some love. I, I still <laughs> any other. I still don't see the the big deal unless you're talking about a a big pull request or a huge file that's changed. It's really in the the jump to dropdown, which I have used to any, easily get any to a new file. Functionality is welcome in my book. Yeah, I mean it's a good it's a good thing. It's just I it think wasn't it's supposed to be talked about this much. Well, it is because Eric's asking about it. <laughs> I use a jump to in a, especially in a huge feature where there's tens or hundreds of files that have changed to get to that file quickly. Now, from that same dropdown, I can get not only to the file, but to the specific function that I might be looking at. So, hmm. good thing. Don't know how much I'll use it because I don't use the jump to that often anyway, but it's there. But did speaking of GitHub, did you see that they were they sur- survived a DDoS attack, a distributed denial of service attack? Not only did they survive one, they survived the biggest. Crazy! Did they were hit with that stealing his thunder, dude. They were, they were, well, he he didn't say it. What? I was getting there. Chill. One point three five terabits <laughs> per second. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect timing, Thomas. <laughs> uh, see, that's why you guys said you know, last I, week I didn't need to be here. See, I did not know anything about. It. In, in, in the article, mentioned that there was a small service interruption yesterday, and I didn't see anything on Twitter. Or any, I mean, I, not that I, I watch Twitter like a hawk or anything, but normally when there's an interruption like that, I, I find out about it somehow. And uh, I was not made aware of this at all. It it started and was done within 20 minutes. And if you read this article, usually a, D- a DDoS attack, first, it's not really discovered for an hour. Or it takes an hour to really understand that you're under a DDoS attack. And then getting the engineers or people involved to try to figure out how to fight it, you c- it could take hours. And the fact that within five minutes, they recognize what was going on. There's a service out there that I didn't even know about by Akamai called Prolexic, which somehow yeah. took over their routing and was able to Warning, Prolexic it. may take over your routing. <laughs> was it was able to mitigate it within minutes? And side effects are explosive diarrhea. <laughs> and did you actually see what caused the the DDoS or what the attackers were using? Memcache. I open, read that they, they weren't using botnets. No, it was open memcache servers. <laughs> I mean, the what? the fact that of course the the fact that people have memcache servers out there just available to the public is strange enough. But you could craft a packet. I'm assuming they they store the data in the memcache server. You know, they have access to it, and then you request the data, but and spoof the. IP address so that the reply goes to, in this case, GitHub. 
what's interesting to me is this article says that this is an is known as an amplification attack, mm-hmm. but this is not known as an amplification attack. What do you mean it's not? Why not? This is called a is. reflection. No, this is called a reflection attack. In fact, the article that they point to to define amplification attack calls it reflection attacks. Really? Yeah. Now this is this is a a, a sort of a behavior of low level protocols where you can get it to repeat a message that you sent once a million times. So it's a uh, sort of when you have those those infinite mirrors, a, a mirror within a mirror. It's like that kind of behavior. So you just send one command out, and it's reflected uh, within itself a million times, and that's what DDoS is the system. What, what I what I didn't understand is they said it wasn't a botnet, but what makes a botnet that? Because this is still a network of memcache servers that are around that you're hitting, and it's coming from all over the place. Bots. Yeah, I think that the whole thing is it's not it's not running like code to do the attack. It's just doing a simple request re- response. Yeah, it's the gotcha. difference between a fire and forget missile and a rocket. With a with a fire and forget missile, you've got something controlling it, aiming it, and continuing to support it. But these reflection attacks are rockets. They just dump data all at once and then walk away, and the system does the rest of the work on its own. Still mm-hmm. amazing that they were able to mitigate that much data that quickly. It's, it's so how come, how come somebody like GitHub? How come somebody like GitHub was able to do that, but companies that are designed to handle this struggle? My guess would be know. that this this the Akami technology is new as of the last attack. Um, mm. You yeah, know, Prolexic, said- whatever this Prolexic system is. It's under constant development, and after the last big reflection attack, which was against what, Krebs on security, uh, they talked about the DYN, the dynamic DNS service. I think, but I believe that that attack was actually targeted at Brian Krebs, the security researcher. Hmm. Don't know. Um, either way, I, I think since the last attack, they looked at how reflection attack attacks work, figured out how they are propagated, and decided to write a mitigation system that happened to work. Yeah, the last one was 1.2 terabits per second. So they built their infrastructure to be able to handle up to five times that, but you can't really test that very easily. So in theory, they're able to, and they're able to prove at least they could get 1.35 this time. So Yeah, so the last attack was also a reflection attack on the Krebs on security domain, and that was at, uh, well, that was September last year. Oh, I'm sorry, two years ago. We talked about it on the podcast, and that was 363 gigabytes per second. So this is an order of magnitude larger. That's crazy. All right. What else do we have to talk about? Are we done? Are we wrapping up? Is that the show? Is it, uh, are we it? We're 45 minutes in, not including the 20 minute intro. <laughs> I've got. We, some, we talked a little bit. I've got go some ahead. stuff. I've got some stuff, but I want you, Eric, to talk about Amazon because you are you are our Amazon Alexa expert. You own the most devices. Yes, that is that is not necessarily anything I'm proud of, but uh, big fan of the uh, Echo device, and I'm a big fan of the Google device. As a matter of fact, John and I were just having this conversation today about how we 
we actually like the replies we get more from the Google device than we do the Alexa device. And I even see that with the way my wife uses it and the questions she asks. She almost always gets an answer from the Google device and will maybe like 80-85% of the time get an answer from the uh, Echo device. I found it very interesting to see that the uh, Amazon's Echo Head AI researcher has left for Google. So that, I, I don't know if you remember back in the day, the big uh, uh, companies would always snipe good developers and good like lead people from other companies. And it, it got into the, uh, got into the point where like all the big wigs, Facebook and Yahoo and everybody kind of got together and said, okay, listen, let's all agree that we're not going to try to poach from one another and this kind of agreement was put in place to to not poach. I think in the world of AI, we may see another resurgence of that, where you you get people who are really kind of leading the industry, and you're going to get the big players like Amazon, and Google, not afraid to go after them, even if it, even if it's stealing them from each other, because that that industry is just so uncharted still i mean everybody's excited about it we're kind of getting a glimpse of what it can do but we're nowhere near where it's going to be in five years and i think a lot you're you're going to see i think you're going to see some poaching going on. i don't know if this was a poaching case but i think you're going to see that i think you're going to see a lot of people jumping from one big company to another big company in the ai field and this this was a big one amazon's head ai researchers now heading over to google that's fascinating. I don't know if it's paying, fascinating, but it was... Well, a, they're paying... That's all I had to add. They're paying millions. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that's... Oh, yeah. The funny thing is, as we just said, we already thought the Google device was better. <laughs> so why did they... The, the one talent? thing that bugs me to no end, and I can't believe this is still a problem, I can have... So our Diego Dev account is a Google a G Suite account. I think they call it G Suite now. I can have my Diego Dev calendar pumped into my Echo device. And I can ask my Echo device what I have to do that day. And she will tell me without a problem. My Google device, which is from Google, and my G Suite account, which is part of Google, cannot seem to figure that out. I cannot get my... You go to your calendar settings, it says, oh, yeah, I can't handle Google Apps. You can't use a Google App calendar here. You can only use a Gmail calendar here. And there's no way to do, like, an RSS feed. Like, with the with the Amazon device, it's just it's just an RSS feed I, I give it. it but the, the Google device won't let me do it. I can't get my work calendar on my Google, uh, Google Assistant. It is absolutely infuriating infuriating i i have a I'm slightly infuriated. i have a slightly more concerning problem with my amazon device what's this i got mine a couple years ago and then uh, this christmas was one for each kid and we talked about how impossible it is to share amazon prime to oh yeah yeah so we ended up getting everybody set up on my account as if it were my device but in their bedroom mm-hmm um, and, and there's just, you, you leave, you leave remnants 
of past behavior throughout the future now. Uh, so two mm-hmm. of my children came upstairs and grabbed my wife and said, we need to talk. We, we need to talk right now. Something happened. We need to talk right now. And dragged her into the bedroom while I was working on my 3D printer. And all I hear is uproarious laughing from my bedroom. Apparently... Well, that you can't have that much happiness in your house. I hope you went in there and straightened it out. No, I squashed it immediately. Uh, apparently, when I had first gotten the device and my wife and I were goofing around... <laughs> Wait, why are you laughing? What happened? I had, just imagine. I had added... You just imagine what's going on. I had added butt plugs to my shopping list. Oh my goodness. So my so son... So one of my favorite... My One son, of my favorite pastimes. Go ahead. Butt plugs? What? My son decides he's going to make a meme where he yells gibberish at the Alexa device. And its response was, your shopping list is carrots, eggs, butt plug. One of my favorite pastimes, we, when John and I used to have a Diego Dev office that we shared. And we had a... a we had an echo device in the in the office, and whenever John would leave the office, I would cre- I would create inappropriate Pandora playlists for him, and I did this probably for about for about two weeks, and I actually had forgotten about it, and uh, was hoping in in my head one day he would pull up his Pandora. He'd have like I pictured having like it was a holiday, the entire family was around. He pulls up Pandora on the television, and there would be like all this domi- dom- dominatrix uh, playlist and uh, all this inappropriate playlist. Christmas this, uh, music Pandora. to get down to. I think that was one of the ones I uh, I might have put on there. Yeah, it never, it never, never played out. But that that was a long joke. You say never. I, I was... You say never played out. But he has two children now, and one of these days, <laughs> they're just gonna walk up to him and say, "Daddy, what's a butt plug?" <laughs> And he's going to yeah, have to I, say, I had... ask Uncle Eric. <laughs> so the question is, yeah. did you did you add it via the Echo device so they have your recording of you saying it? No, then it's it not just the recording your... of me saying it. It's <laughs> is just... It just on your shopping list? It's just permanently on my shopping list, apparently, until I buy what, one off Amazon. What kills me is, I wonder if it's like starts giving you recommendations <laughs> You, you know that would explain a lot. Now that you say it, what that... you you know what I saw recently? Um, a YouTuber was doing a live stream, and it, it it was one of these worthless live streams of hey, watch me get drunk sort of live streams. Uh, and he had an Alexa device. Was that it you? He was you asking about you. Like, <laughs> I mean, we are one of the worthless uh, streamers, drunk streamers. <laughs> that's for sure, but. Uh, but when you when somebody did a donation, they could have the system talk. So it, you know, uh, hey, great stream, keep it up, sort of stuff. But you know, people never say that. They always say inappropriate things. Somebody got the brilliant idea to ask the Alexa. Well, the first thing they were asking Alexa to order things like that. You know, wait, Alexa, cancel. Do it. Do it. Do let's it. Not, let's Do not it. make. Let's not make that mistake. <laughs> yeah, they, they were saying Echo. You know, order. You know, dildos or whatever they were. They were doing. And then somebody said, uh, "I forget 
Oh, then they were trying to order him an Uber, which was super funny. And first, the thing is, the guy's like the guy knows it's happening. I mean, they they, they do it to him about a half a dozen times. It's like, right, yeah, he probably made a hundred dollars off it. Yeah, I'm like mute the thing or or you know stop complaining about it. He, you know, he's like, guys, stop, stop, guys, stop. I'm like, oh, shut up. But so, to to kind of kick it up a notch, somebody asked, I forgot what I meant to try it. Ask something about what's my location, or I think that's oh. that was what it was. It's like what's my location, and they were trying to get the guy's address, and I guess it gave it out. You know, of course the 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 clip I showed, they muted it, and you know the guy's like, oh, "Stop!" I'm like, "Oh, stop it!" But that was that was I I thought about that for a second. I'm like, "Whoa, that's dangerous." Well, see now combine that with the ultrasonic stuff too, because remember a couple months ago. Go. That's right. The a microwave couple months ago, we were talking it. about the ultrasonic sounds that humans can't hear that Alexa can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this conversation. Yeah. And fun thing about uh, subsonic is it goes through walls. Well, subsonic and ultrasonic are two separate things, right? Yes, but subsonic uh, the same vulnerability exists with subsonic communication too mm. yep 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 well i've got some stuff i know we've dug through the pile of two tickets that you guys put up on trello took us took us almost an hour let's see how long this takes because i've got like seven i want this one first boop boop really that's the way you pick first benchmarks I was going to talk so about how boring it was. Ones out there. <laughs> so many other better ones out there. If you're looking at a framework, this is the place to look. Uh, this one's quick. This, this is quick. It's just a benchmark of tons of different frameworks and CMSs on versions of PHP 5.6.7.7.1.7.2 and HHVM. Not too surprisingly, 7.2 always outpaces... Uh, previous versions of PHP, Holy but there crap. are no. there are one or two cases where HHVM does beat PHP. There was one that uh, seems ridiculous where it was like three times as high as... Yeah, that one is Laravel 5.4.36. Uh, and it is... It gets 400 requests a second to PHP 7.2's 100 requests per second. That uh, does seem insane. Seems like a totally out of the ordinary. However... Laravel 5.6 doesn't support HHVM at all, doesn't support 7.0 at all, doesn't support 5.6 at all, and on 7.2, it gets nearly 450 requests per second. So if you're up to date, not a big deal. That's wow. true. I'm actually, I use, the reason I wanted this article was to point out, I'm using it to as leverage against one of our clients trying to get them to upgrade, because I've got all the pull requests in, it's their comfort level of, you know, accepting it. So I'm trying to I'm trying to move them forward, getting getting them off of five six. Yeah, it is a really nice way to quickly point out in one graph because it's a it's got five bars, so it's really simple to read graph, and it just says you will need half of the server time if you upgrade, and that's pretty nice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so moving on from that because it is it is incredibly boring unless you're just the worst kind of nerd. So I read it for like three hours. PHP CLI menu. Now, I looked into something similar to this 
a while back. PHP had support for bash-based menu systems, keyboard navigable menus. With end curses, right? Right. That's what with I've end, always with used. Curses. Now, end curses, if you've ever used it, I'm sorry. Why? I've never had a problem it with is, it. It is making stuff look pretty and nice. Well, and I've never made it look exactly, pretty. Yeah. It's a real big pain in the ass if you want something to look really nice. Uh, but uh, this I, is a I, library. This, does, this doesn't look very nice. What? Set title, add item, add item, add item, add line break, build? Oh, oh, you're saying the code. I thought you were talking about the results. No. I'm saying it's, it's, it's the results, command line. It's the results are classic and oh, curses results, but yeah. you can very quickly make something that fits your style. You can change the colors, add items, remove items dynamically. You've got sub-menus. That is way uh, easier to use in curses for damn sure. Wow. Super, super easy mm-hmm. to use. Um, flash yeah. pop-ups, conf- confirmation dialogues, stuff that in end curses you would really, really have to work your ass to get together. And this is just as simple as creating a uh, an ordered call of an object. Add items and then the array of items. Or uh, add select marker, add unselect marker. What does it look like when you've selected an item? Does, does it immediately continue or do you have to click the continue button? That kind of stuff in end curses could take you a day on its own. And I've wanted this for a long time because I have a lot of Laravel stuff where I want it to ask me questions or give me options. You know, a, a lot of artisan mm-hmm. app commands that I want to run just for one section of the system or just seed this or, you know, asking questions that have just one or two answers but, but not wanting to take in input from the user as far as choose one or two. And if you select mm-hmm. zero, handle zero. And if they don't, then I, I want something like this. So, But here's the thing. My money is on this being in the next version of Laravel. 5.7 will 100% support this. What? <laughs> you and your guarantees. Why do you think that? Because it's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, did you get this article off Laravel News or something? Is there anything that gives you an indication that it, it's followed on the radar of the Laravel development community? It is one of the top three articles of the week on the PHP subreddit. It has... It has that, that, then I can guarantee you nobody on Laravel has seen it. It, has, nobody no, it has community traction. It's definitely something that should be on people's radar for being included in... in I mean, uh, what it, I'll call bleeding edge totally cool. frameworks. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it's totally cool. I, I I'm not going to debate it. And, and I know Lair, I think Laravel made some up, updates to uh, the artisan as far as as far as being able to do selections and stuff. And oh yeah, every every version uh, the artisan CLI stuff gets much better. Yeah, but I don't know, I don't, I, and I don't know why the, that would even be an issue for you whether or not this was made it into Laravel or not. But it's. It's cool. I, 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 I could see maybe pulling pulling this into a project or two. Uh, yeah. I it's super cool. For me, for for a lot of the development stuff that I do, I'm so excited about using this thing. I will be using it next week, I'm sure. The the moment that I'm asked to do another CLI command, I'll be using this. I could have used this eight years mm-hmm. ago. <laughs> Not so much. John today. thinks John thinks it's cool too. He just He's just no, too I, cool for school. No, I do like it. I just wish I had something to use it on right now. I don't. 
What else you got for us, Thomas? We got one, we got time for one more. We got time for two more. The Programmer's Oath. Have you guys read The Programmer's I, it, Oath? It's it's Oath for programmers, Thomas. Oath. I see what they did there. Oath. Did you Oath. see the second thing they did there? No, what's, the, what's the number? What's the number of the first item? I, I actually don't have it open. Now. It started open with zero. It zero index. Starts, starts with zero. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see that. I'm like, yeah, that's definitely a coder wrote that. That's perfect. Yeah, I like right, this what a is, lot. What is the what is the programmer's oath? Inspired by the modern Hippocratic oath and the obligation of the engineer, it is a list of ten rules, starting at rule zero, that. <laughs> programmers should adhere to as a social moral tenant. Yeah, I think when you throw in that word moral, things get a little murky because one person's morality may differ from another's. And that's why but, my first problem and, is the first item. Yeah, I say you're you're a perfect example of that. I mean, there there are people who don't feel <laughs> your industry is a moral industry and Well, and, that's uh, fine. This this accounts for that. This absolutely accounts for that. Oh. I it, it, How's that? It establishes your morals. This is your. You're saying that you're working under your moral standard. You're not a right, you're right, not right. No, no, no. I understand else. that. Yeah, yeah. No, My, I, I get that. But that's what that's what I'm saying. Your your morality allows for that. But you know, somebody like John's wouldn't. Or, right. You know. Well, that. But see, that is also the problem that I have with it. So the first item, I will only undertake honest and moral work. I will stand firm against any requirement that exploits or harms people. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that I worked for a company that pivoted to what I considered immoral work. Did you keep working with them or was it one I of the eventually you left? I eventually left and it was one of the reasons that I left. Okay. Well, you know, but that, that sort of thing it happens. It takes time. It's there's there are exactly. a lot of people who are in situations where they're being asked to do something that they disagree with morally and they do it as an obligation of their job and this is well, and I, and I think that's part of the difference. I mean, the, the difference there is going into a job, accepting a job that has questionable morals and accepting a job as opposed to being into a job and then being manipulated to do something immoral. In, in moral. That sort of th- process takes longer to kind of identify and react to. I, I would not hold that against you. I would never hold that against you. I know, but you're my friend. Yeah. Okay, let's go with that. I'm I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna cut out anything you said after that, anyway. So don't worry. <laughs> no, but but yeah, I, I I do like. I mean, I I do like what they're doing here. It's it's the rest know, of it. I, think, I like I think... a lot. So let me go through the the ten real quick. Okay. Zero. I will only undertake honest and moral work. I will stand firm against any requirement that exploits or harms people. One. I will respect the lessons learned by those who came before me and will share what I learned with those to come. Two, I will remember that programming is an art as well as science and that warmth, empathy, and understanding may outweigh a clever algorithm or technical argument. Three, I will not be ashamed to say I don't know and I will ask for help when I am stuck. Four, I will respect the privacy of my users for their information is not disclosed to me that the world may know. Five, I will trend most carefully in matters of life or death. I will be humble and recognize that I will make mistakes. Six, I will remember that I do not write code for computers, but for people. Seven, I will consider the possible consequences of my code and actions. 
I will respect the difficulties of both social and technical problems. 8. I will be diligent and take pride in my work. 9. I will recognize that I can and will be wrong. I will keep an open mind and listen to others carefully and with respect. I love it. I, first off, I like, I like to think that the three of us are already on board with most of what's being said here. I, we are educators the, the, as well as The good as part for you, Thomas, lawyers. is they have nothing about piracy in here. So you're, nothing at all. You, 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 skip about, you skip through that That's, one. Just uh, uh, <laughs> Get out of jail free. I like how they I like how they do the signatures too, where you put your GitHub name and the commit um, the co- the commit hash, uh, and you contribute that back, and that's kind of your signature to this. <laughs> I like that too, but there's only what forty eight signatures. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. It's like, how did you stumble across this where there's only forty eight signatures? It's very big on Reddit. I just think people Is aren't it? aren't people aren't taking the idea of signing it seriously. I think this this is a a very classic philosophical uh, social contract where you want to believe that other people adhere to a, a certain amount of them and that others believe that you won't adhere to all of them <laughs> in the way society mm. works wonderfully. No. But th- there are some challenging ones here. I will be diligent and take pride in my work was something that I actually took had a double take at because... Why is that... Because that's a quality of life concern. That's, that's not about the code or the end user. It's about how you feel about your code. It's about how you want to represent yourself to the world. And if you're working on something that you don't take pride in, then that is something that you need to look at inside yourself and say, I probably shouldn't be doing this. This probably means I need to make a change in my life. And but it goes back to your other point of sometimes you have to do what you have to do to make a paycheck and get on with your day. We're we're in a different space because we love what we do, but not everybody does. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah, how you stumble into this career. I myself of that all the time. Yeah, I don't but know I how you stumble into this career if you don't. I think programmers or people who call themselves programmers are in a different social space. They are They are living in a different strata, if you will, where... They should take pride in this kind of thing, because if they don't, then it has greater implications for the results of the thing they work on, which might be pornography or it might be a space shuttle. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that's the important part is, you know, people don't understand the power we have. And, and we've talked about this in the past, how you know, we're literally gods of our code. And we can do so many bad things. And cool. Didn't you guys say that exact bad. same thing last week? Yes, no, that was yeah. you said in the past, last week. <laughs> yeah, I say, I say it every couple of weeks. Uh, and the only thing preventing a lot of us from, from doing those terrible things is our ethics. But there's, there's, no, there's no public uh, 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 you know, allegiance to any ethics out there. Um, yeah, I, I, I've always struggled with that. I mean, I know, I, I like to think I'm a good person. I like to think I make good decisions. And I, I like to think I'm, I'm a good person to hold the keys to a kingdom. But, you know, not everybody is. And they, they, not, not everybody even states that they are. And, yeah. 
I, well, this whole this this does nothing, right? I mean, it, it can't be held up in court. You know, it's not like you can be sued and say, "Hey, you know, you took the you know, let's see, we're coders, so we, it would be the hypocritical. <laughs> you took the <laughs> hypocritical oath uh, of of not doing this, and and you did it. And you know, it, it it also starts to play a little bit into the discussion of should there be a level of developers who should be licensed or or should be should have to get some sort of license or... well that's that's what top but... secret clearance is i've worked in an environment with secret and top secret clearances and morality judgment does come into play when you're getting a top secret certification um really they they care about your moral standards and that's well, why I they use so, yeah. that's why they use lie detest lie detector tests because Lie detectors don't tell you if you're lying or not. They reveal your moral code. Mm. So when you're... I, there's a lot of programming, logic, and and eh, sociological stuff that we don't think about because we don't work for top-secret government facilities. But I guarantee you that the programmer who works on the database at Area 51 has answered the question... What if there are aliens? How will you respond? You know what I mean. Where they've 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 been asked to take moral stances on things that you and I have never been asked to take a moral stance on, because that's the thing they're dealing with. When generals send the nuclear command to launch the missiles, they don't want to think about the programmer being a pacifist. They don't they don't want the programmer intentionally writing it so that at the last breakpoint. The, the nukes never launch because he has an opinion on things. So there is... Very true. So these kinds of questions, moral implications, ex- have existed for a long time in higher levels of government. It's nice to see them brought down to this level where if my boss asked me to do something, I could point to this and say, you know, I would. I'm not objecting because it's technically difficult. I'm not objecting because I'm lazy. I'm objecting because it violates my moral standard and I've made an oath to protect my moral standard. And that mm-hmm. might that might save your job in some circumstances. Hmm. So even though it's not legally binding, people respect other people taking a moral stance on things. Yeah. yeah. I agree. All right, we're running long. Did you want to do one more? You said you had two more. I got one more. Okay, let's hear it. Is it a doom and gloom? Oh, yes, it is. Are you guys Are you guys ready to go to a really dark place? With you, always. There has been a report this week that the New Orleans Police Department has secretly partnered up with a company called Plantier to use their predictive crime algorithm to detect potential criminals and victims before a crime actually happens. Now, this technology yeah, they should make a movie new. about that. <laughs> they did, and it got certain parts wrong. Uh, Tom Cruise was white. Uh, that's the big problem. It, it turns out that numerous studies about this technology determined that the AI that drives it uh, keeps trying to include race as a predictive behavior. Hmm. And that the programmers who are white are generally unable to fix it because they do not have the societal understanding of poverty 
and culture that would allow them to adjust the AI appropriately. Are you getting this from the article, or are these are these assumptions this is, you're making? These are these are previous studies into the nature of this kind of technology. <clears throat> so this this kind of technology will start picking out people of color versus white people simply because of the algorithm that trains it. And it's getting very, very difficult to tell it, no, no, don't use that element of a person's race to judge their potential for committing crime. And it turns out that New Orleans has been using this technology since 2012 and that everyone at the higher levels had, quote-unquote, no idea that anything like this was happening. You say that like you don't believe it. I say it like, quote-unquote, I'm quoting them. <laughs> you say, quote-unquote. <laughs> <laughs> um, even, I, I mean, even the people I, I involved in developing this are against use of this kind of technology against civilians. They believe that it is too broad of a net being cast, and it is being incorrectly used in this environment it's designed more for tracking terrorists internationally um it is a a matrix that uses affiliations with people to define to decide whether or not you will eventually commit a crime so if you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody that is a plus one in their algorithm and Mm -hmm. it's and and as much as i was you know doing the quote unquote it does appear that someone at a lower level of the police department approved this and kept it a secret from everyone who was supervising the police department. Okay. Thoughts? Uh, uh, kept, kept, kept what a secret? The, the, fact, the fact that they, that they were, were using, using the it? system, yeah. Oh. Uh. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's a tough one. I, I, I don't know a lot about this case um, or or the particulars about it, but, but it's... A, it's a treacherous road to go down because, yes, uh, you know, if, if this is a direction we want we want to move in, <clears throat> if we feel like you know we can put a system to, together to help us do some predictive uh, um, monitoring and potential enforcement. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying a pre-crime thing where we go arrest somebody because you know we we believe that they were going to murder somebody, but having an idea of where hot spots might fire up and you know neighborhoods are or these these parking garages get more cars stolen from from them than any others on a Saturday night after a football game or something something along that lines uh you know I I'm kind of, I kind of support that the 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 race thing I think is an issue I'm not sure why we feel like it's the social construct that couldn't be coded out I I don't I don't I don't know enough about developing AI learning to understand why that would be difficult. Um, but I think that it is important to have people in place to identify it. I, you know, I think you made a pretty broad stroke comment by saying, you know, all the developers who developed it are all white males. I didn't do that. I mean, it's like, huh? I didn't do you that. You didn't? No, that was someone else. Yeah. <laughs> it was in the article. Oh, oh, oh okay. <laughs> what, so my question but, is, what are they doing with the data? Like, yeah, and how so what, is they're, it... what they're doing is they're increasing police patrols on specific targets and specific areas before crimes occur, and it appears that they're using it for arrest information. So, 
the the system is very complicated. But when you're holding somebody um, for investigation, you have a 24 hour hold. But then you can go to a judge and say, "We have this evidence that they're guilty. Can we extend it to a 74 hour hold?" Uh, and uh, what uh, you see from that, what you see from that kind of behavior is that if this person is implicated by the system to be a potential criminal, a judge will accept that information and say, okay, extend it to a 72-hour hold or 74-hour hold, that person loses their job, loses contact with their family, loses what I would like to consider basic human rights, and that evidence that was used to continue their t- d- detainment is not brought up in the trial, is not part of their conviction, is not part of their arrest record. It was just used to keep holding them. So you're talking but about restraining I, I think, somebody's civil liberties for an extra 48 hours because they're on but, a list of the computer uh, came uh, up you're, with. You're, you're, going off, you're going way off script here. That's not what this was doing. It they is what they it was weren't doing. arresting... No, they weren't arresting individuals based on the information these AIs were generating. No, but they were they extending were detentions. They were... Ex- no, no, they weren't even extending detentions. They were they were increasing patrols. So the the other question, and and to play devil's advocate here, I understand. I get where you're going. You're getting into the the sociological aspect of this. Of you know, are we targeting individuals? Is nope, this adding to their to their somebody else? Okay, <laughs> but the but to play devil's advocate is, you know, what are the results of this? Is there a noticeable decrease in crime in these areas that the the AI is touching on? Putting putting aside any potential uh, race issues that that we think that the the system may be causing, which is something that needs to be addressed. At at the end of the day, is it doing its job? Is it decreasing crime in areas that it says crime needs to be decreased? Is there is there any input on that? I didn't I didn't read the article, so I'm I'm seriously I'm asking you that question. Does is is there somebody saying that the system works, or have they spent billions of dollars on something that is only a problem? They claim to see a, a one third reduction in murder rates since the project started. Uh, however, one third. However, that's ha- pretty significant. However, that period was from. 2012 to 2018 at the same period of time in which many cities not using this program also saw an equivalent or greater reduction in murder rates. So, so they, they can't equate it to no, the there's system. No, so. there's no causality with, with the system whatsoever, and they openly admit that this is the number from the New Orleans system, but it does not provide any causal evidence whatsoever that the system works in any way. And in, 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 in all honesty, that, that's a hard one to, to prove because it's like... What's well, really yeah, we easy we, because there was a one thing that happened in New Orleans between 2012 and 2018. Yeah? Katrina. No, I, I understand that. But so what, 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 Katrina was already being given the, the, the reason for the great crime rate reduction in New Orleans. So their, their, okay. evidence, their evidence is... Less than supportive. All right, that's your that's your opinion. I, I I see what you're saying. Sure. So my my issue with this is this is a fundamental. This is a weaponization of technology. Mm, they, there's 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 the there's the there's the catch. I think that's what we're we were getting at. So, and I'm not saying I disagree with you, but I, I am asking the question. You're saying that these sort of these sort of technologies. Have no place in our society. 
I don't say I don't think they have no place. I think they have no place in human interaction. I let me let me propose to you that it says that this neighborhood that has zero crime that is never a problem is going to have a massive problem next month. The algorithm, okay. the algorithm which is too complex and it, it collects too much data for any person to possibly understand, says next month is going to be really bad here. Mm-hmm. And then people, do people write that off as a fluke in the data? Or do they ask the system why and the system doesn't know why because it doesn't do why, it just does data analysis. So these, these proposals... These proposals for future dangerous areas that are being given to a police chief, it says these are the areas you need to concern yourself with. The police chief looks at that data and says, I knew it, and sends the cops he was going to send there anyways. You're putting putting words in somebody else's mouth. I am, because somebody has to interpret the data. The the system itself is not dispatching police officers. He's given the data. He doesn't say, I knew it. He's given the data. He says, okay, this is going to be a hotspot. Let's, let's increase the patrols here. We're looking for burglars over here, so we're going to send this unit, these units over here. That's what he does. He doesn't say, I knew this was going to happen. I knew these, these people were going to be bad. I'm going to go arrest everybody. That's not what happens. Obviously, you haven't watched The Wire. And, <laughs> but this is, part, this is part of the problem with trying to address these issues. Is you, get so people, you get so many people who are so far on one side that it's it's difficult to have the have the discussion of what really the problem is whether you know whether there's a fix to it whether we should be trying to fix it it's it's well, it's uh, tough i mean i will tell you at its core the question this raises is is this legal should it be right. should there be oversight and should it be public record because there are decisions that were made to arrest people, it's, it's stated in the article that there are there are decisions to arrest people that were made based off of this data, but that information was never disclosed to the defense because the defense didn't know to ask for it and the prosecution didn't use it. So during right. so I th- I think I think that's a perfect example that that is something that that can be identified that says okay when 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 somebody is arrested because of these actions, you know we need to make this a part of of the evidence uh, collection or, or uh, ev- evidence, what is, what's it called when they share evidence? Discovery. Yeah, we need discovery. to make this part of evidence. Yeah, evidence discovery. That that's a perfect example of okay, maybe you know maybe this isn't a terrible pol- or a terrible uh, system, but yes, we need oversight. We need to make sure that everything has public visibility to it, whether it's used or not used. The public should be able to have visibility to it. But the corporation, which has billions of dollars, believes the opposite, and they're already lobbying Congress to make sure that they are not forced to be overseen, whereas of course they are. the yeah. moral and, and that's implication happen. for I us. Mean, that, that's going to happen, and, and, and we have to have people. But you, but you have to have stable-minded, well-balanced people to have the, the, the conversation with the, the politicians on why it should be. Not, not, not these radical, you know, this is horrible, they're going to kill us all kind of conversations of, I tell you exactly what that police chief said when, he, when he's given that report. No, that's not the conversation that needs to be had. Hey, man, you know, it's, the, the doom and gloom segment is not about how well-oiled the system is. <laughs> I, th- I think, 
yeah, my my whole point, especially when I'm talking to you, Thomas specifically, what? is you're you're such we a never talked about person. gun control. You're such an intelligent person, and you're you you have such a well thought out way of think a process of of thinking through things. It's just it's like if if you could just stay kind of more like in that balanced. And stop tipping so far over to like the the horror of, of a situation. I you know you you're the type of person that that could evoke these sort of changes. I'm telling you, you're that person. You're the person that could end up running for office or or, or something like that, something weird, because you have that mindset oh, and God, you have no. that morality. I have a dark past. Well, there's that. I, 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 we don't we don't have to go down that that road, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, just, I very much enjoy it, it, analytical thinking and and sociological things. I, I get stuck on them. And yeah, I do play devil's advocate a lot because I really enjoy the role of devil's advocate. But I'm also incredibly concerned about the, the power that corporations wield in America and that I, I do firmly believe that the capitalist system has failed us. So that bleeds into a lot of the things that I have opinions on. Mm-hmm. So you're right. I'm also I'm also unelectable though. So you're wrong there. <laughs> I tell you what, if if we can have our current president, then yeah, you know, I think anybody can do anything in this country right now. God, you would think so, but I'm not rich. Hey, you... that, there is that aspect of it. <laughs> I guess. John. What? You've been John's falling asleep. Conspicuously silent. Not conspicuously. I just you guys you had it all covered. And I, I didn't read the article, so I couldn't contribute much anyway. He, he's like the therapist. And, and how does that make you to feel be, here? To be totally fair, it's a 30-minute read. It's a long article. It, yep. When I read for 30 minutes, it's because I have another podcast to do. You have never once read for 30 minutes for this podcast. I said no, another podcast. Oh, different. Yeah, you've... You read a, a whole magazine cover to cover and then talked about it. Yep. <clears throat> it's the only reading I do. You guys just released your new episode. You want to throw that a plug before we go, John? No, so you, so you can get the last word? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will talk about Wave PHP, though. We, we, That's... We've been selling tickets. I'm excited about that. We have two sponsors that oh. stepped up. Excited about we that. Have... We have a fish. Oh, do you want to announce those real fast? Sure. Uh, Foamburner.com has stepped up to be our first sponsor. And then within minutes. 20 minutes. <laughs> where'd he go? Within minutes of them stepping up, uh, OSMI, Open Sourcing Mental Illness, stepped up to be a sponsor. So super excited about both of those. And looking forward to working with OSMI at our conference. I know they've done good at other conferences, so yeah. So it's, it's going to be weird the helicopter landing there when 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 the president shows up. But you know, hey, Thomas, welcome back. Yeah, you could have just let it slide. Did, you you did miss the big news. So oh, listen, I didn't miss the big a, news. I know the big news already. I'm in the chat rooms. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> you could have just I let it slide. Part of, I, I forgot he's part of the company chat. <laughs> Despite yeah. contributing literally nothing for the last two years. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah, we have we have some sponsors coming in. 
it was weird too because once we got and we haven't announced them um we're, we're putting together little thank you images and stuff that we're going to tweet out and we're going to probably get them on the website this this weekend so we haven't like officially announced it out there anywhere that we have these sponsors but like within 24 hours there was something about thursday or there's something about thursdays that within a 24-hour span on thursday we had like three or uh, we had the two that officially sponsored us where they they we cashed their check and everything else and then we had like I think three others that reached out to me on Twitter or reached out to us on um, through email asking for for the uh, the uh, sponsor list uh, so that they can look at sponsoring us because they they didn't make the initial uh, mailing list for whatever reason. So it's it's good to see some sponsorship money coming in. I'm I'm, I'm happy to see that. It's really good to see people buying tickets. And you want to buy tickets? You need to do it soon. Prices are going to go up. I'm not kidding this time. I mean it. We we extended the call for papers two weeks. Uh, I don't know exactly why we did that. We've got way too many papers to review now. Uh, we, we did, did it because extend... we we were trying to get our sponsorship information out to, to potential sponsors and give them time to also submit. So that, in full disclosure, that's why we extended it. <laughs> I love I love how John just shows up to remind everyone that he runs the show. No, it's not what I said at all. Executive producer, Dick Wolf. What are you talking about? 64 speakers have contributed talks, and over 150 talks have been contributed. I don't envy that task. That is... I tell you what, we have some big hitters on here, and we have some fantastic talks on here. Some real assholes. I don't see one from you, Thomas. What's up with that? What's up with that? Yeah, I have abandoned a, a large number of my goals for this year. <laughs> we're, we're only in March. We just got into March. Yeah, I know. Okay. Thanks for rubbing it in, though. <laughs> That's what I do. I, I got to make sure you don't feel too good about yourself. All right, ladies and gentlemen, what a sentence to go out on. I'm Tom Rideout. Now I'm Eric Van Johnson. I'm John Congdon. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Show notes can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or directly off the PHP Ugly RSS feed. A rating of five stars on iTunes is appreciated. Submit articles to phpugly at reddit.com slash r slash phpugly. Until next week, keep it ugly.